Well, good morning. My name is Tom Batty, and uh, I'm picking up a three-part series in Ecclesiastes that we're doing. Um, we started last week. This is the middle one, uh, and next week we'll finish it up as Graham went on holiday, so he invited me to spot him for a couple. Uh, so last week we, we looked at uh, introducing us to the idea of Ecclesiastes and particularly the two main speakers of it. The plan for this morning is to have a look particularly at this idea of pleasure and the way that the, the author is suggesting it, it's a good thing to study um, the, the limits of pleasure and how far it can take you. So the plan for this morning is I'm going to briefly recap last week. Last week we didn't have a question time. And so I'm going to try and see how this works. It might not. Um, I'm okay with this. But have a brief question time after I recap last week. Does that make sense? And so I'll open that up for any discussion, see if anybody wants to throw anything at me. Uh, And then after that, then I'll begin this week's uh, sermon in proper and we'll look at the limits of nearsighted pleasure maximisation. That's the plan for this morning. Sound good? Cool. How about I pray for us? Father, we thank you for your good word and help us to live wisely under it. Amen. Uh, Cool. So last week, I'll just pick up my notes from last week. And uh, according to my notes, we looked at this idea of, uh, we we thought about the contrast between the quiet life and the progressive life. And is there a safe balance in between that we should look at? And then Ecclesiastes is then presented to us with two main speakers. The first uh, speaker who gets a lot of airtime is a character who is called Kohelet, um, which is the, the Hebrew translation uh, of his name, and it seems that we should take Kohelet as a fictional character who is created by the father, who is the second main speaker, and our job as the 17-year-old Israelite boy who's about to leave home is to cr- critique Kohelet and, and have a look at this popular wisdom and figure out if we should then follow it. Uh, and so do we reject it or do we embrace it? We critique it. Uh, and the conclusion that we kind of um, uh, ended up at is that the, it's a good idea to, uh, pursue, to under God pursue thoughtful living, which is a kind of a, a little um, summary of the final verses of the book. So that was last week. And then uh, so we'll pause there and I'm going to ask you guys, has anybody got any questions they want to throw at me um, from last week? All right, we'll roll on with this week and see how it goes. Uh, So uh, this week we're looking at this idea of pleasure, uh, studies in nearsighted pleasure maximisation. Now, Ecclesiastes, if you've read this before, a number of times there's what is called the the carpe diem passages of Ecclesiastes. The carpe diem uh, is the Latin phrase for seize the day. And you can find these passages in chapter 2. There's a couple of them in chapter 2, in chapter 3, chapter 8, and chapter 9, and then this final one in chapter 11 that we read out just before. Uh, and the, these passages probably can best be summarized by a little one in chapter 2, verse 24, which says, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Um, or if we go into the passage that we read today, just a moment ago, um, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9 says, Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. And so Ecclesiastes, in particular, uh, the fictional character Kohelet, 
introduces, to this, introduces us to this idea that we should embrace the good things in life. But the question that we've got to ask is, is this in a positive light? Is it in a negative light? Or is it something else? Because that's going to be quite helpful for us. I think one of the challenges that we have, particularly today, is that we live in a society that's heavily influenced by the Protestant work ethic and therefore the, the rise of capitalism. So much so that it's normal to ask even a four-year-old child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and the question is largely asking them, what career would you like to choose when you grow up? How will you contribute to the economy and find your worth as a producer of something valuable for the rest of us? And then the four-year-old is socially conditioned to say, I want to be a firefighter. Um, and, and then if you were to think about it at the other end of the spectrum, we're also conditioned to ask parents of adults' children, oh, what's, what's Freddie up to these days? And the question is framed in the sense that it's appropriate to answer in terms of either what they're studying or what career they're in now. And they've got to say something that's socially acceptable, like, oh, they're studying nursing or they're a landscaper or they're an accountant. Uh, and if they say something weird like they're a YouTuber, then the response is still going to be the same. Right? To, to the firefighter, the landscaper, the accountant or the YouTuber, it's socially appropriate to then say, oh, as long as they're happy and as long as it's paying the bills. Does that make sense? Like, this, this is the, the water that we swim in and we don't even realise that that's, that's the reality of it. I remember when, when we were younger and uh, the first time, like, when we got a mortgage... Uh, and I was able to drop it into conversation with other males that, yeah, I've got a mortgage, I actually felt more social worth because that, that's, uh, you know, um, that's how I'd been conditioned to think. Uh, yet this is the water that we swim in. And so when we read these carpe diem passages of, you know, it is good and profitable for a man to work hard and to use his skills and then to enjoy what he has, we kind of think, yeah, it is good. That's right. This is good and appropriate. But... But I don't think that that's exactly how they're meant to be read because we've got to remember the original recipient is not you or I living in 2021 under a, a capitalist system. The original recipient was a young 17-year-old Israelite who was about to leave the home. And that young man, when he was four years old and his mum was putting his clothes on him in the morning, let's call him Benjamin, um, putting the garments on him and there was a blue cord on the tassel and then Benny says to his mum, I don't want the blue cord on my tassels today. And then his mum says, no, no, we've got to wear the blue cord. I want a red cord. Why, why do I have to wear a blue cord every day on my tassels? And then his mum kindly says to him, look, Benny, let's, let's go again to Numbers chapter 15. <laughs> And we'll read it. Do you remember Moses? He said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lusts of your own heart and eyes. Every day, Benny wore tassels to learn that he is to trust in the Lord with all his heart and lean not on his own understanding but in all his ways, to, to follow God. Like, this is, this is the kind of culture that he grew up in. It, it wasn't a capitalist society. Benny, in his life, would have hopefully lived through two, one or two, year of jubilee. You heard of those ones? Where every 50 years, all debts were to be cancelled, all slaves to be released, all land to be returned, and everybody was to remember that God owns everything. We live under his good care. 
Like, how does capitalism exist in that? It, it just doesn't. And yet, this is the world that Benny grew up in. And so when he meets a character like Kohelet, who is just gathering masses of wealth and saying the best that a man can do is to work hard, use his skills, earn money, and then spend it on caravans. Like, it, for, for Benny, it just would have been laughable. It would have been absurd. But we miss the absurdity. Do you know... I was thinking about this earlier today even, that it's socially acceptable for a child to dream of becoming a billionaire. You know that idea, like, oh, what do you want? To, you want to make money? You want to be an accountant? You want to earn lots? And you could be a billionaire one day. But the fact that this exists, I think, is a great evil in our world. Because um, uh, we asked Google this morning, how many seconds is... Uh, how, many, uh, how long is a million seconds? And the answer is 11 days. That's for a million seconds. How many seconds... Is a, uh, how long is a billion seconds? You know what the answer there is? 34 years. Isn't that wild? Like the scale difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is, is that much. And we think it's socially appropriate. Even, even people like um, Elon Musk, $185 billion. We're worshipping him as a wise and cool guy. And yet he hoards the wealth of nations that, you know, that, that could be spent on so much humanitarian good and we think it's cool. Can you see how the, the water that we are swimming in, we, we don't see it when we read Ecclesiastes. But to Benny, Kohelet was laughable. He was absurd. This is ridiculous to have a philosophy like this. And so additionally, when Benny was growing up, he would have grown up learning about uh, the, the Babylonians who lived just around the corner. And one of the most famous uh, passages that uh, we're aware of from the Babylonians is this story of the Epic of Gilgamesh. And so what I'm going to do is read out a section from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and then I'm going to immediately read out a, a little uh, piece from the Epic of Gilgamesh, where Gilgamesh, the main Babylonian character, is moping about his own existence at the pub, and the barmaid named Sidiri comes and gives him some wise advice. And so let's just compare the two. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 and 10 says, "'Go, eat your bread with joy.' And drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in the grave to which you are going." So that's, that's Ecclesiastes. That's the speaker, Kohelet. And then the Epic of Gilgamesh, the barmaid speaking. When the gods created mankind, for mankind they established death. Life they kept for themselves. You, Gilgamesh, let your belly be full. Keep enjoying yourselves day and night. Every day make merry. Dance and play day and night. Let your clothes be clean. Let your head be washed. May you be bathed in water. Let a wife enjoy your repeated embrace. Can you see how this is just secular wisdom? This is the, what the popular Babylonian myths espoused. And so for Benny, as he hears this, he, he knows that Kohelet is, is leaning on a philosophy that says, enjoy life as you have it now because death is the full stop. This is temporary. Death is final. All that you have now is what you can get. And I've searched for purpose and I could not find anything. And so the only thing that you can do that's good in your life is the consolation prize of pleasure. Take passing swipes 
at carnal pleasure. That's the best that a man can do. And it reflects the same as the Babylonian ethics as well. And so our, our job is to critique this and to say, that's not right. Like, if you look at um, Kohelet at his most extreme, in chapter 6, verse 1, he dreams of the most evil things that he could imagine under the earth. And he says, I've seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them, and a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. How terrible would it be to work your whole life so that you can finally get a holiday house on the south coast and then you get a back injury and your pest of a son-in-law gets to enjoy it? <laughs> like, this, this is the type of wisdom that he's suggesting is good and appropriate for the young man. And yet we need to see it as laughable as absurd, as thoroughly non-Christian. We're not to take these passages that say there's nothing better for a man to eat, drink and be merry as positive. We're meant to see them as, as a sad musings of the privileged, wealthy, um, you know, popular guy who just is overfed and underemployed. Like, could you imagine if Kohelet, for a moment, uh, was a... Uh, if, she, if she was a disabled woman born of a prostitute from a racial minority struggling with ongoing mental health issues, could you imagine her saying, now, how will I spend all my money on the most profitable pursuits that I have? Like, it is just, like, excuse me, Kahelet, but your privilege is showing. And, and we need to realise that we're often blind to this in the society that we have. And so what, what do we do with this? I think we, we grieve that, that this is the reality of popular wisdom. We should be dissatisfied and angered and offended at this type of thinking. Um, his conclusion is sad. Um, everything is meaningless, so take passing swipes at carnal pleasures. And yet, his search is good. Kohelet is searching for purpose, but he is nearsighted. This is studies in nearsighted pleasure maximisation. But simply, if his perspective were to broaden beyond the horizon of death, then suddenly he'd be able to embrace a much richer and more joyous life than simply one that takes passing grabs at the carnal pleasures of life. See, at the very end of Ecclesiastes, as the father steps in and gives his son some real good advice... Uh, in chapter 12, verse 14, he says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And so the father, just like Kohelet, uses death as a motivator. But the massive difference between the father and Kohelet is that the father uses death in both a positive and a negative light. He says, yes, God will judge every stuff up. He's deeply invested in all of those. But God is also deeply invested in every single one of your moral triumphs as well. Because God cares about how you will follow him and live life under God. And so if, if my son, if Benny, my boy, you can identify with God and primarily be influenced by him, that you will not need to just find pleasure in wealth, women and wine. Benny, my boy, you can find pleasure. No, not pleasure. Blessing in suffering. 
You can, pl- you can find joy much richer than that. You're able to, with Jesus, be able to uh, say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed. Not profit maximization, but spiritual blessing from God because we have an existence that passes the grave through Jesus. Ecclesiastes, or the speech of Kohelet, concludes with this dismal poem of how life is horrible and you're going to get old and you know your grinders will fall out and your grasshopper will drag along and so you just got to enjoy life while you can remember your creator in the days of your youth isn't actually a positive christian phrase he's saying remember that you are creaturely and that your creator has numbered your days and your best days are when you're 25 so when you're 25 have heaps of sex that's what he's saying But we are to reject that because we know that we have an identity that is found not in our worth, what we can produce, not in our privilege, not how we, you know, what kind of society that we're born into, not our racial majority or anything like that. We have a worth that is much deeper. See, the father is preparing young young Benny for the day of tragedy. He's saying, Benny, in your life, you will have blessings, but you will also have deep horrible tragedies when it will not go your way and in that moment where you were in the pit of despair what kind of story are you going to tell yourself to get out of it are you going to say i can get out of this because i'm strong i can get out of this because i have money i can get out of this because this is what my family has always done and i have to do them proud i can get out of this because some other thing that is to do with yourself as we move into the new testament Jesus enables us to find our identity not in what we can produce but in what God has done for us. Uh, the, uh, um, I, I love the Lord's Prayer. I, just, I love it to bits. The, the primary way that, the, uh, that Jesus says that you are to relate to, to God is our Father. The the primary way that we are to have an identity in Christ is an adopted child. And so when when Benny, my boy, when you're in the pit of despair, you can know that not how can you get out of this, but whether or not you get out of this, you are beloved. Isn't that different? Isn't that uncapitalist? Isn't that beautiful? And this is just the gospel. This is what we have in Jesus. Um, This is... A challenge for our identity. Do, do we find ourselves in our worth, in what we can produce, in our honour, in our status, in our caravan? Or do we find ourselves in Jesus, knowing that we are adopted, that we have a seat at the table with the Almighty Lord of all? Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the gospel that we have in Jesus? How about I pray? Father, we thank you for your good and wonderful word. And we pray that we would not live a life of nearsighted pleasure maximisation, but that we would live a life as obedient, adopted sons and daughters. Amen.